Hello and welcome to the Backlog Game Club. We're your hosts, Lucas and Alex Evans. If you're new here, every two weeks we pick a game to play and we meet back to discuss it here with you. The first week we discuss our time with the game at the halfway point, and then the second week we'll meet back to give the game our full review and break down what we liked and what we didn't. We'd love for you to get involved in the discussion. Hit us up at backlogpod at gmail.com, or you can follow us and comment at Backlog Game Club on Instagram and Twitter. And with that out of the way, how are you doing this week, Alex? I'm doing pretty good. Um, the, uh, last night at work, um, me and you both work back shift, for those of you who don't know. Yeah. Um, me and a couple of coworkers were out for a walk on our second break, just sort of on the sidewalk down by our work. Yeah. And we got, uh, we got pulled over by some cops pretty much and, and not a vehicle. Okay. Um, so <clears throat> it was a little sketchy. We saw like a cop, like an SUV drive by and then they pulled into some parking <laughs> lot pretty close ahead of us. And then yeah, another just squad car drove by us really slow with its windows down, just sort of looking at us. <laughs> and then that same car turned around and drove right into the parking lot of our work when we were heading back to it and like got out of her car like turned it off and she's like how's it going guys and then um started asking us like what we're doing out and why we walk around you're a bunch of bunch but, of ruffians mm-hmm. and then uh and uh so we you know just told her like we work here we're just on break we just took a walk yeah. it's a nice night and uh and then the then another squad car pulled up like as she's talking to us oh my like, god jesus christ here we go so and either then, slow night or just a big operation and then there's like these two there's like these two dudes in a car and they're like the chillest cops i've ever talked to and they're just like <laughs> what's going on guys like just growing up and then uh and they're like uh you know like what you got you guys work here and we're like yep yeah. and he's like so what do you, what do you, the time you guys get off? And we're just like seven. And he's just like, oh, you're on the seven to seven shift. And he was just like <laughs> talking about how he hasn't been in there in like years or whatever. Like he hasn't been oh, in the building. Okay. All yeah. this, all this weird stuff. But like basically the first cop tried to ask, she asked us for our names. And then the first guy that was out of the group of us there asked, she was asking him for his birthday or whatever. And then <laughs> he was like, he was like, why do you need my birthday? Like we're just walking around. <laughs> yeah so she's like okay whatever have it your way and then uh, (laughs) have it your way but yeah it it was really weird man this is the way the situation unfolded it was just like super super awkward like if i would if i was to guess i'd say that that girl cop that pulled over first was like a rookie and then these two guys were like sort of like making her do this to like get the experience basically just like (laughs) yeah it was just super weird like you know she looks like the asshole like being a hard ass on us and then like these two yeah. dudes just pull up being like the chillest ever and like just growing up with us and that's very uh yeah i um i've never i mean like you said working back shift at night it's uh, there's always just an extra layer of sketchiness to anything you do it seems yeah. so yeah um i haven't had too many encounters like that i mean the last time i had an encounter like that was when i was in university and i was walking home from a friend's place mm. and i was drinking like i had a can of iced tea like just straight up just brisk iced tea or lipton or something yeah so i'm just walking down the sidewalk with a with a can in your hand. can in my hand get somebody pulled over i'm just like yeah it's just it yeah. <laughs> i promised <laughs> but I, I did i didn't even like clue into the fact that that's probably mm. what they're gonna assume just going down the beer like in the middle of the street but <laughs> yeah but like yeah. It, it really made me it made me think like 
especially like with what's going on now with the black lives matter movement like you know it must just it just must be a really crappy time to be a cop because it's just like you know immediately no matter what kind of person you are you're just automatically tagged with this like asshole you know bad person sort of thing and like it you know obviously there's been proven there's a lot of sort of shady and bad cops out there but like yeah i mean being having to be the person who like looks into those things and you know has to be suspicious of people in a way you know it's just you're always gonna immediately be the bad guy by default Mm. so yeah yeah i can definitely i mean uh, um one of my, my best friend, like his whole family's like part of the police and stuff. So, yeah. um, yeah, so I, I could understand. I haven't talked to him about a bunch of stuff, but, yeah. um, I've also, uh, I, I did the, the cardinal backlog sin of, I bought a brand new game at full price oh, <laughs> because shit. I was just so interested in it. Um, monster train came out pretty recently. Um, and it was on like they got me with the whenever a new game launches on Steam, it's always like ten percent or twenty percent off for like the first week or two mm-hmm. to like kind of give you a bit of urgency into buying it. Yeah. Um, and pretty much every YouTuber that I watch, I watch a lot of YouTube. That's like my main entertainment platform. Mm-hmm. Um, but everyone I was watching was playing this game. Um, so I just was like bombarded with it and I was just like, okay, I, I got a cave in like the marketing strategy has worked. On yeah. me. Um, so I've been playing a bit of that. Um, I'm not very far into it. Like I haven't even unlocked all the clans. If mm-hmm. anybody's familiar with it, um, it's not that hard to unlock all the clans. It doesn't seem, but I've only played through a few runs, but do you, are you familiar with a uh, slay the spire? Um, no, I remember you talked about it on one of the episodes here, but I mm-hmm. don't like it's a card game, right? Yeah, yeah, it's like a deck builder, and this is basically like that. It's very Slay the Spire inspired. Um, <laughs> it's it's almost not identical, but like it's definitely the same foundation. There's there's a lot of things different. They did a lot of things right in order to differentiate themselves. Um, mm-hmm. Like in Slay the Spire, you're just one guy going through all these battles, and you build your deck of cards as you go, and you basically draw five cards every turn. It's like a deck builder if you've played board games. Um, mm-hmm. So you draw five cards every turn, you get to play them for different amounts of mana, and then at the end of your turn you just discard everything, draw five new cards, and get three mana to use sort of a thing. And stuff can modify that as you go, but in Monster Train you're kind of playing minions onto different floors of a train to kind of protect your train, so it's kind of got a bit of a mm. tower defense element to it, so monsters or enemies enter your train and are trying to climb up to the top. But okay, um, it's, it's just really cool. Mm. Um, I love... I love those kind of card games. So like, uh, it's just something slow paced. I can just check it. Like I can, if I get busy doing something else, I can just leave it. I don't need to worry about anything. And yeah. So, so right. you said, you said that you paid full price for this. What was full price for this game? Uh, it was only like 20 or 19 bucks Canadian. Um, no, that's not, that's like not I said, that bad. No, no, no. I just mean like, I have all these other games I could and should be playing, but uh I just got sucked in, especially because, like I said, a lot of the YouTubers I've been playing watching it, and I kind of wanted to unlock the stuff for myself before I went and watched them unlock all the cool cards and stuff, so I kind of wanted to have my own experience with it, and at the same time, I wanted to watch them, so I was like, okay, I'll buy it, get through it, and then I can start watching their content on it and have it all just come together. Well, I'm going to break that rule here, too, in like a week, because The Last of Us (laughs) 2 is coming out on the 19th. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have to look into 
look into that. I've been I've been on not a media blackout like intentionally, but I mean the PS5 spoiler. We've been we're recording this podcast super late, obviously. Yeah. Um, but the um, PS5 conference was just yesterday. Yeah. I didn't even watch any of that really. I saw I some either. of the games that came out with it, but I don't know. I've just stopped paying attention to new releases and console stuff in general. Yeah. Um, I, I just I don't know. I. I got. I was back in the PS4, Xbox One kind of uh, launch cycle. I was pretty into like following it, who's doing what, what's coming out where. Like, but uh, I just feel like I don't have the energy to to follow that well, anymore. I, f- I feel like lately too, like the last few years at least, like E3 used to be the place to announce all of this stuff, and now, like, I don't know exactly what Sony and Microsoft do, but I know Nintendo has like the directs and everything like that. So. Just yeah. really, whenever they feel like making a big announcement on one of those, they make it instead of yeah. holding on to the announcement and just announcing all this stuff at E three every year. But I guess yeah, that's the, a good point. That's sort it of like the be. divide because it's you know typically you'd have like this week or week and a half set aside in April to just like digest all this new information. But now it just sort of rolls out when they feel like doing it. So it's it's weird. Yeah. Oh, that's probably a really good point because I mean I, that's definitely something like I used to have E3 viewing parties invite my friends over it was mm-hmm. kind of like I mean people I'm not the first person to say this but it was basically the, the Super Bowl of video game announcements right like yeah. it was everyone came with all their big plays and stuff and yeah. it was just a big event but yeah like you said everyone just rolls stuff out mm-hmm. when and how they see fit yeah um, I never so. I never watched the conference either I saw I like I saw that there was like a trailer video out for it as well beyond that and i saw the picture of the playstation 5 and then i saw a bunch of like just sort of youtube like it showed the youtube videos there like for the different yeah. games they announced only one that really yeah, stood exactly. out to me i mean some of them look like they're new they're new titles but like the, there's like a new horizon game coming out so that looks cool yeah um yeah i heard that i haven't even looked at that at all but uh mm-hmm. my girlfriend watched the conference and that's one of the, the highlights she told me there's also one called stray i think it's just called mm-hmm. and you play as like a cat with a backpack you're like a stray cat just okay. roaming around doing your thing i think it's just like a teaser trailer i don't think there's much content <laughs> like gameplay to actually show on it but yeah it's a cute idea and she loves cats so yeah that's an instant sell for her um yeah i really like the look of the controller the console I'm not fully convinced on how it looks. I mean, it looks futuristic and cool. Um, so I mean, I'm not one who I'm not one who cares too much anyway. Like, yeah. the amount of people who are like, "Oh, this is gonna ruin the entire aesthetic of my entertainment stand." Whenever <laughs> a new console comes out, like, I don't, I'm not one of those people. No. But it's definitely I, a weird like Wi-Fi router weird <laughs> look. It, well, it looks like it's kind of like warped. Like someone microwaved it for a little too long. <laughs> but it, it also, it also, I'm, I'm like kind of shocked that they went with the white color, like that's always been like especially well at least from xbox 360 like that was what microsoft did and then sony was always like black playstation 2 3 4 so it's i know there's like the black part in the middle but the outside like shell is white and the controller's like almost completely white too so it's just yeah it seems like a weird decision to me but yeah i've always associated them with the black and blue like glow in a way yeah. yeah um so yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting design choice. Definitely striking, but I'm yeah. I'm I'm very exci- I'm interested to see what the price point is going to end up being. I mean, that's the main thing for me. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's going to be five or six hundred bucks. Uh, I'd love to be surprised that it's not, but I'd feel like I I read it's an, at least that much. I read an article like just shortly before we started recording, and like some one of the countries in the world, um, their am their version of Amazon, like accidentally leak the price or something um yeah yeah basically people were expecting for it to be like 
you know, four ninety nine US, four forty nine yeah. like euros. Um, but apparently from the leak of the price, it's going to be um it's gonna be three ninety nine US. Which nice. was the same price as the PS four pro when that came out apparently. So yeah. um I mean honestly that's not too bad if that is what it is. I also know there's going to be um like a regular version and a digital version. So yeah, like the one with like a four K Blu ray drive and one without it, but yeah apparently apparently it can also it can stream in up to 8k which is just insane because i don't know how many people would even own an 8k television but (laughs) yeah just people on the cutting edge now i mean 4k has almost become standard issue i mean i think anyone buying a new tv nowadays Mm kind of just goes for 4k for the most part but i've been fine with my old i I have a 1080p tv i bought when i was yeah like 17 or something it's still <laughs> yeah. hanging in there so yeah. uh so we'll see eventually when i need to replace it i'll probably go to 4k or something but yeah. i'm interested to see what it do like i said i haven't paid much attention to it but i hear i hear lots of cool stuff coming out about you know the hard drive speed or i guess the solid state drive mm. speed and yeah. load times and stuff that seem really cool so mm. um we'll see what uh i mean microsoft is almost like taking a back seat to a lot of this just kind of like here's our product if you want it go for it if not yeah you can get our games on pc like they seem just very chillax about the whole situation well you were saying too like a couple podcasts ago when we were talking about the whole like banjo and like the ori and the blind forest and cuphead like all these different like microsoft ips going over to um like coming over to switch and stuff like that and you were just sort of saying that you think they're sort of yeah sort of taking a back a bit of a back seat with that sort of stuff like they're not really competing with like the the consoles as much and they're really sort of focusing on on ip and stuff like that and different softwares and stuff yeah i'm not sure what their like game plan is fully um because i I don't see why you wouldn't want to be aggressive like with Mm. that kind of stuff but i don't know they get paid way more than i do to figure that out (laughs) so i'm sure they have marketing data and all kinds of yeah plans for everything but yeah, we'll see how it all goes, and uh, mm. that's that. Uh, the um, finally, Stadia is uh, available on my phone. It's been available like you could play Stadia on like Pixels and some OnePlus phones, like top end, like in Samsung. I think some of the Samsung phones, all the mm-hmm. flagship ones. But they finally like open it up that you can go and switch on something that's basically like. I agree that this is not a supported device, so it might not perform perfectly, but oh, okay. I can do it anyway. I think it's, it's I think it's always been available on my iPhone as far as I can remember. Like back when you first got it, I thought there was an app probably that worked yeah, on Yeah, I think iPhone. it is. I mean I have the app you have to basically get the app for your phone in order to kind of browse and um, yeah. buy games and stuff. So you always needed it. But if you ever tried to actually play a game on your phone, it wouldn't let it. But okay. now it does. So I've been playing a little bit of that. Um and uh, that's just, I don't know, it's just really cool that I can essentially lay in bed with my phone and a controller and play, like, I've been playing uh, Metro Exodus, which is just, like, this crazy, cool, like, really nice-looking game just on my phone and mm. just stream there. Just I, I really enjoyed it so far. And that's one of the main things I've been waiting for to, to kind of really did, get stuff going is playing on my phone. Did you get the uh, graphics card on your computer installed yet? no so update on that saga i guess um (laughs) i've been waiting for the little adapter for my for my power situation Mm -hmm. Uh, because i need a eight pin adapter and my power supply is ancient and only has six pin adapters but anyway um so i've been waiting for that from amazon forever and the shipping information has just been like 
picked up from facility and that's the only like mark on the entire thing jesus um and so finally it was due uh on like the second or third of uh june um and they have like a banner on like amazon that's like please wait up to a week past your expected delivery date because things might be delayed but anyway after a week went by i called amazon support i'm just like yeah i don't think i'm ever getting this thing so they credited it back to me and i've ordered just a whole new power supply because one happened to go on sale a couple days ago like one of our there's a few like big computer park companies in canada and one of them had like a daily deal for a pretty decent power supply okay um so i get a power supply for like i think it was just 59.99 <clears throat> or something for a 600 watt one like just something that's like not great but it'll suit me for the next however long until i do another major upgrade to my computer i think so yeah that's good that's good and power supplies like shopping for one has just been one of those you probably get this way a lot with audio equipment but um it was one of these things where it's like there are ones you can get for like 40 or 50 bucks but those are generally like not recommended pretty crap like they'll do the job for you but they have a higher chance of just like shorting out and busting other parts in your computer so it's not great yeah so you kind of look in the 80 to 100 dollar range and then you're kind of like well if i'm spending 100 bucks on this i might as well go for something that's you know 120 to 140 and just get a little bit more performance <laughs> or better reliability and it's like yeah. oh if i'm going that far i might as well go up to 180 and just mm. get something pretty premium and then it's like 200 and something bucks for you know might as well just go top of the line super future proof <laughs> it's just this this swirling whirlpool of pricing yeah. that you just there's always a step that's like feels like it's a significant significant step and it's only 20 ish bucks more and you're like wow well, i might as well go up there so yeah well, so that's why i yeah i kind of just resigned to getting this like 60 dollar one that's like good and i'll just live off of this until i don't know i'm rich in the future and i can buy a 200 dollars <laughs> super good one yeah well yeah like lately like with my audio equipment stuff i've just sort of decided that like I'm going to, you know, just wait and set aside the money and like actually put it towards like good equipment instead of like more so I guess on software than hardware stuff. But like, you know, there's just so many companies out there now like just manufacturing everything for any any category of 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 a hobby that you have or a career that you have that, you know, you're going to be able to find something that does the same thing, but it's like half the price but it's like how reliable is it and what's you know what how good is it gonna do it like do its job and you know there's just also just like different staple software and staple hardware like within my industry i guess more so than you know that i'm familiar with at least and uh you know it's just i don't know it, it's just been a good practice that i've sort of taken lately just because that way i know i'm getting something that's good and i'm already familiar with it because it's like popular and like top of the line so it's you know it's gonna last and if any issues occur with it too it's going to be easier to find a diagnosis or an answer because a lot more people have them so yeah yeah um I was trying to find the exact quote, but I think it's from Adam Savage, like one of the Mythbusters that I've kind of just started to try and live by. I think you told me um, this before, but yeah. Probably. I've probably even said it on this podcast before, but it's just like, you get the cheapest possible version of something, and then if you use it enough that it breaks, then you can get the most you know high quality slash expensive version of that, because you yeah. used it enough. I like, um, I like the analogy think, of that, but like I don't know 
it doesn't necessarily apply to everything in my opinion oh but. for sure yeah i mean his is specifically talking about tools because he's basically like a workshoppy yeah. anti-man special effects kind of you know diy guy so i mean it's specific to that but i mean it can be applied to, yeah. to other things to a degree um, yeah. yeah know yourself but, uh, know yourself i think it's important it yeah, I think it's important just because you, a lot of people can get really excited about a new hobby that, you know, especially if you're not into something and you just want to tread the waters on it and dip your toe in. Like, you don't want to buy a $5,000, like, skill saw thing just because yeah. you want to get into some, try out some carpentry, like. Mm. Um, but yeah, so with that, I think we'll take a, a quick break and we'll be back. We'll uh, jump in and we'll talk about our, our time with this week's game so far, Axiom Verge. We'll be back shortly. Thanks. And we're back. Uh, so this week we've been playing uh, Axiom Verge, mm-hmm. and um, we're going to talk about our time with it so far. Uh, this is week one of two of playing Axiom Verge for us. Um, so just kind of checking in where we are at this point and uh, seeing our, our thoughts so far. So uh, how much uh, did you get played of uh, Axiom Verge so far? Um, I would say like three to four hours maybe. Um uh, I mean, it's it's a little confusing as far as like specifically where I am. Like I couldn't I couldn't yeah, tell you like that's fair. I couldn't give you an exact sort of like location or world or whatever that I'm in. Yeah. Um. But uh, but yeah, probably like three to four hours. Um. Nice. I have I have four, I have four different like shot choices on my gun. Okay. Um, so I have like the red one that you start with, then I have the blue yeah. like triple shot, the blue uh, one, yeah, the purple one that like you shoot and then you can hit it again, it can blow up, and yeah. then the green like electric sort of like taser nearby taser version, yeah. And then I have that like one's, what's that? I was gonna say that one's one of my favorites because I love just shooting mm. people through a wall when you can't when they can't fight back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and then I have like the uh, the laser drill thing, and then the disruptor. And that's sort of like the latest yeah. the latest upgrade that I got. Besides just like uh, like the weapon, like the weapon uh, size upgrades and uh, yeah. like the health damage upgrades and, stuff. and health boosts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'm uh, at least a little bit further than you because I have one more weapon, one or two more weapons than that. Uh, I got really into playing this. Um, it just, I was. I was just like, I'd played it for a few hours uh, during at least one of the sessions, and I just kind of stopped for a second. And I was really enjoying it. It kind of um, made me feel like I was I was a bit of a child. Like it just reminded <laughs> me of playing Super Metroid like way back in the day. Like it just really gave me that same like I was getting lost in this little feeling and um, yeah, lost in this uh, alien world. Um, You're breaking up a little bit, man. You okay? <laughs> um, I think I'll hold it together. Um, but no, it was just really cool. I mean, everything from even the opening um, like theme song and uh, the the graphic, obviously the graphical representation, I think is really uh, playing paying homage to um, Super Metroid. Mm. Um, but the opening theme just even remind me of it, like that kind of like spooky alien, but like cool adventure at the same time, like sci-fi um, stuff is really cool. Yeah. Um, I really like the um, retro graphics so far. Um, like, it's very obviously very pixely, but they do a lot of cool stuff with like particle effects. Like when you kill a boss, they kind of explode in really cool ways and they do a lot mm. of neat stuff like that that like adds a lot of spice. It's not like super flat, plain 2D pixely art. Um, it's it's got a lot of like life and action to it, I find. And those like little um, pods that you like that you save in 
Um, mm-hmm. They sort of like yeah. rotate and sort of close, but it almost looks a little 3D when it's sort of rotating and closing on you too, even though it's everything's 2D. Yeah. Um, one of the cool things I noticed was um, it's just like a lot of, I think a lot of like care and attention went into it um, because one of the cool things is the drill you get on like your right trigger or whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, but the little laser drill that you get, um, the sprite for that even will like speed up or slow down based on like how much you pull the trigger. And if you like oh. leave it halfway, um, the sprite even like kind of stops the drill halfway and won't it like kind of keeps it there as you're moving until you maybe use a different weapon or something. It was just it's something cool to just check out. Like it's just, it's a little small thing, but it just kind of makes it feel like that's an actual piece of machinery you're holding. Um, Cause it would have been very easy to just cancel the sprite animation as soon as you let go of the right trigger and have it just switch back to his like standard idle animation. But mm-hmm. the fact that they kind of left in this ability to kind of just, I spent like a good, like 10 seconds just messing with the, the drill animation. Cause I just thought it was a really cool, uh, really yeah. cool touch. Yeah, I never noticed that. Um, yeah. It's something, something cool to, to check out. Um, did you, how are you feeling? I guess about like the story and like the people and then all that stuff going on so far. Um, I mean, it's, it's a little vague at the moment, but I think it's intentional to be that at the yeah. moment. Like, um, like the, the, that sort of, lady robot that's on the cover of the game um yeah i encountered her and she gives you i think that green that green shock gun or maybe the disruptor or something but um but yeah she like you know i I met her and she was being sort of vague as well like sort of seemed like she said that like you guys are connected basically or something along those lines um so it's it's yeah it's pretty it's pretty vague but i think it's i think it's got a deep story and it just you need to play the game to fully understand it but uh the thing i do like is like the character you're playing as he's just like an average dude like a scientist dude like he's, <laughs> like you know in metroid like you're samus and she's like got all this like intergalactic bounty hunter yeah gear. like this weird and like yeah. weird like dna where she's like sort of a hybrid with a human and uh yeah like shows yeah so yeah. and yeah in this one you're just sort of like a regular dude with like this just this badass gun that you picked up so or are you? Don't. Think well, that. yeah, but uh, um, yeah, seemingly. Just, uh, yeah, I'm. I'm very interested to see where it all goes, and I always think it's um, to the point where uh, I. I feel like this is one of these games too that once you beat it, I think there'll be a lot of revelations like throughout the game, to the point that you can come back and play it again and kind of have your mind blown see like a lot of foreshadowing, shadowing, or some stuff like that. Mm. Um, so I really expect there'd probably be some cool uh, Easter eggy stuff like that. Um, and uh yeah so i'm pretty I'm pretty interested to, to see where that goes mm. um there is a i've i've hit a pretty cool point that i don't think you've hit that is like a, a pretty cool event um so we'll talk about that next week for sure because okay. i don't want to spoil it for you but <laughs> there's an event that kind of already starts to flip things a little bit so we'll see how that uh, that goes sweet um yeah, I think one of the things. Yeah, I think I've um, only curious. beaten like the like th- two or three bosses or something like that. So, hmm. I guess that's like another way to describe where I am. So I don't. Yeah. But the way you're making the sound, I definitely feel like I haven't experienced it yet. No. Yeah, I've got. Um, I think, like I said, I'm definitely a little further than you. Yeah. Um, how did you feel? I guess talking about the bosses. How did you feel so far about the the combat and the the boss fights? I guess in particular. And um, it's it, it's kind of weird. Like I maybe it's just like from other games that i I i've played in the past or whatever but like 
I'll go into a room and I'll just like out of habit like have to kill every enemy in the room instead of just like <laughs> running by them, even though they're not yeah. really giving you any experience points or anything like that. But yeah. it's just like I don't know. It just like feels like it needs to be done. Like it just gives you a little bit more comfort, like comfortability with like navigating through that that space. But, um, yeah. but it's it's been I, it's been fun. Um, like I I don't really have any complaints as far as like any of the enemies or anything like that. Um, yeah, I feel the uh, I have that exact same uh, problem. I I keep having to stop myself and just like why why are you spending like fifteen <laughs> seconds killing this guy? Yeah. Like you can literally just run past him. Like you don't need to jump up onto this platform completely out of your way to kill a guy and come back down. Yeah. And go. Um. Oh uh, yeah, I keep doing that. The the boss battles so far that I have had or have been have been fun too. Like they're not like super super hard and there's always like a save spot right next to them too so if you die you just like yeah. you don't have to like travel another 10 minutes to fight it again like you're just right across from it yeah um so that's good um, the second boss i found was easier than the first one um it was just like you, you were just able to like recognize the shooting patterns on the top platform and just sort of jump and duck and jump and duck and shoot it but mm-hmm. but yeah uh yeah did you fight the i think this might be the third or fourth boss but there's like a scorpion guy have you fought the scorpion no not yet okay the scorpion guy is the first guy that like i had to like put the fucking game down and walk away for a second because <laughs> i was like this is fucking horseshit yeah um i think there's a specific way he's like supposed to be beaten that i i think i eventually figured out but i it was um, up until that point it was pretty breezy and i was like that was a yeah. bit of a steeper learning curve of like okay mm-hmm. um but I think um, one of the things the bosses have done so far is they kind of make you explore your arsenal quite a bit. Mm. Um, I think, at least for me, when I'm just roaming around the map, I kind of have two guns that I go to. Like, I use the short lightning gun for close range, and I just use one of my blasters for, like, longer, cheeky snipes. Yeah. Um, so I don't really, like, I don't really use the, like, splitter gun or anything else really that much. Um, but during boss fights, I find they give you some pretty cool opportunities to, to use your weapons. So mm. I think they're pretty well thought out. Um, and, uh, I mean, talking about the upgrades in general, um, I really like the way, um, I mean, cause Metroid, uh, Metroid is obviously like the grandfather of doing this, but the whole, you know, needing to come back with a different unlock to proceed further. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of the times in Metroid, um, it was just kind of a different colored door and you need a different weapon to shoot it to unlock it. Yeah, um, especially in like Metroid so, Prime and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Which can feel a little bit like cheesy. I mean, it wasn't, it never took away from it for me. I mean, especially not back in the day. It was just kind of an accepted way of how it is. But yeah. I thought there's a lot of really clever ways they handled this with like the disruptor beam. Like you saw like these glitched out paths that you couldn't go down, but mm. you can come back with the thing. Um, or you get different, uh, I think you got a, did you get an ability to jump higher? Yeah, no, I think not that's yet. something okay you might be pretty close to that that's something you unlock pretty early but um so you get an ability to jump a little bit higher um and that kind of unlocks obviously new paths and stuff and there's lots of they keep doing little cool ways of letting you explore paths um aside from it just being you know a door that's locked by a different color Mm. um so i was really appreciative of that um how did you like the soundtrack? I'm interested to see what uh, your feelings were on the, the music. Um, I haven't really fully listened to it a lot yet. Um, like, you know, I, I when I've been playing games lately, especially on the Switch, like I just don't have the opportunity or I don't know, maybe I get lazy or something, but I don't plug any headphones <laughs> in. So like music's there, but it's sort of more sitting in the background. Like I can hear little 
bits and pieces of it popping out um you know when i'm playing um yeah. one thing one thing i've sort of noticed is like um depending on like the type of game it is or like just how the music stands out and catches me right at the beginning will sort of dictate whether i you know i i really feel it necessary to you know to to plug in headphones to fully experience it um <laughs> yeah. i think because like based on what kind of game axiom verge is like it's sort of based on you know this the old metroid games and stuff like that where mm-hmm. you know the soundtrack and the sound like design of it isn't like necessarily like a crucial or like a standpoint feature of it i think the, oh. the gameplay is oh I'm sorry, but that's just my <laughs> my view yeah. on the situation right now. But I also Spicy. I also haven't plugged headphones into it yet, so maybe my yeah. opinion will change on that. Um, uh, that's fair. Uh, yeah. But uh, I just razzing you. But uh, like the the soundtrack for the game was made by the creator, as far as I've been able to find. Like I looked at it on Spotify a little bit too, and it just looks like it's just that's the yeah. only thing out from that person's name, and it's just like mm-hmm. the picture for the for the artist is just the axiom verge cover so um i think it's just sort of like a, a stardew valley sort of base thing where the creator just makes the music too just as a part yeah. of the project i um i've had uh one of the like on spotify i just have this one big super mega playlist that i put all my liked songs into yeah and one of the one of my songs that i listened to or that I had on like in that list that I would always listen to was Trace Rising, which is like the boss theme music. Having now played the game, I can identify it as the boss like fight music, mm-hmm. which is like action packed. Um, so I, I've been like uh, I've been really liking that track in particular, yeah, because um, I just know it from before. But I'm I really like uh, all the zones, like because there's different little zones on the map, right? Yeah. Um, like in in Metroid did this too, where there was basically different regions of the map that all had different like biomes and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, but they each have a pretty distinct um, soundtrack, at least in my opinion. I mean, it's not it's not like one's jazz and one's like <laughs> synth pop or something, but yeah. uh, but they all are, are distinct enough that it 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 feels like a pretty like especially when you're exploring the game for the first time. I think it's pretty substantial too, you know feel like you're making like a significant chunk of progress when you reach a new zone you go in like the background music has changed i I find i notice it right away and i'm like oh shit like i'm going into like some new territory here like Mm. i'm making progress so i I think that was a really like important and impactful role that the the music played especially for me was like i felt that it was a pretty good pacing of um it, it uh it felt like right when i was starting to feel like a little like tired or a little kind of worn out or a little annoyed with having to run back and forth around his own trying to get stuff or find where i'm supposed to go like right at that moment i find a new zone and new new background track and we're just like oh, okay the energy's back like i'm ready to go yeah um so i really like the soundtrack so far so i, I definitely hope you you get the headphones busted out and give it a listen yeah well i will I for like sure it, i like this. Favorite. <clears throat> um, um one thing i one thing i've sort of at least it seems playing um, it seems like the game is just like the the world as far as where you can navigate is just huge because there's been like a few different sort of like uh, areas I've been in and there's been two doors in the same room or whatever and I've like started going through the first door that I chose and I'm like okay this seems pretty extensive like as far as like I went like a couple rooms ahead so then I went back into that first that initial room that had the two doors and then I went to the other one and then the same exact sort of feeling. It's like, okay, I don't feel like this is just like <laughs> a dead end pretty quickly. Like I feel like this is another 
another whole area to travel. So I'm sort of curious. Yeah. I'm sort of curious if there's like, you know, if this is sort of like a hollow night situation where it's like, there's multiple like ways of beating the game. Like you don't necessarily have to go down a very linear path or fight every boss in this, every, all the bosses in the same order or whatever. Like it seems very free flowing and, and, uh, and just sort of, yeah, like open for whatever, wherever you want to go to do what you want to do first. Yeah, would it be surprised? I think in the main menu, there's even like a speed run mode. I haven't even clicked yeah, on I it saw to see that. what it is or anything. Um, so, I mean, one of the um, one of the things that I, I, I'm don't don't uh, don't quote me if I'm wrong here, but one of the things because I'm not into the community very much, but one of the things that's really like important slash popular in in Metroid speedrunning is kind of these mechanics that are in the game but aren't really intended to be used like there's a thing called shine sparking which is like the way you can kind of run and charge a boost and stuff and, and jump and get to things that you're not supposed to be able to get to um mm-hmm. earlier on and like way earlier than you should and um, so would it be surprised if they almost intentionally put in some mechanics like that and some ways to like yeah to like you know because in Metroid, obviously, they weren't intended to be accessed, but I could almost feel like they designed this in a way that there is places that were kind of designed to be accessed if you were really skilled, really knew the game, and really understood some of the mechanics and stuff. Yeah. So I'd be really interested to see what that whole scene is like, and if it's actually kind of a competitive um, speedrunning community, or if it's just a hmm. an afterthought little mechanic that's put in, but that'd be really cool. Um, yeah, one of the things um tried to to go through my notes here mm-hmm. um how did you feel about uh kind of the, the glitchy aesthetic and the disruptor and stuff have you had a lot of time to play around with that and yeah hit a, enemies with it and stuff? a little bit there was one sort of area of like the all the all glitchy distorted stuff that like my disruptor hasn't seemingly fixed yet so i'm assuming that there's probably a, like a disruptor upgrade or maybe a different version of the disruptor or something like that coming in the future mm-hmm. um but yeah it's very it's very cool like it's uh like I find when I'm like in a room or whatever and there's like not an immediate platform, I just like use that and just shoot it in all directions and see if there's like, you know, something that starts like fizzling out that's going to like give me a platform or whatever. And then it seems a little weird to me. Like you can just, it like, well, it's not weird, but it's, it's kind of cool that you can just sort of like do it to like any moving enemy too, for the most part. Like yeah, sometimes it, it affects, just doesn't, uh, it's just like stops them from attacking or, or whatever. But like, it's just sort of cool that like they've, even programmed that much into the game that, that you can just like disrupt like any common enemy and everything too yeah it's really fun yeah there's and it's always the whenever you meet a new enemy it's always a gamble it's like is this just gonna make this guy like twice <laughs> as fast flying around the map yeah. or like there's one um there's one kind of um enemy that like shoots gas clouds like up into the air and they fall down or maybe they're like cotton ball yeah yeah, or something. About, yeah like the little um, green guys but if you d- yeah but if you disrupt it um I think it's actually like a later version of it, a blue version of the the guy, basically. But if you disrupt it, it just starts shooting out health like nonstop. So you can just uh-huh. like sit there and recharge. So there's lots of cool things like that. I really like the, mm. uh, I like the the variety and I like the decision. Like I feel like it's I don't want to say like bold. It's not like revolutionary, but it's a really cool decision to kind of like intentionally have these kind of glitchy graphics and things that like you must have seen as a kid like playing games you you eventually encounter some weird sprites that just like didn't load in properly you got to restart the game but they kind of do that thing where the sprite sheet is like chopped off when you disrupt some enemies like yeah. they have like the four corners of them but like on opposite corners i don't know if i'm describing that in a way that makes sense but <laughs> uh, like the whole sprite is just like split apart and but it 
so it's just I don't know it's really cool um, mm. I guess that leads in a bit to I guess I have some questions first um, for like something I think we should we can make some speculations and mm. guesses and and see how it all pans out um, but uh, I guess I'll start with a big one uh, do you think we're like a good guy or a bad guy I don't know. Do you think we're like the enemy destroying this world and just like being a, a, a menace, or do you think we're actually on like the side of good, or you know, is there no good and evil in this world? Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Like it doesn't really seem like I haven't really experienced a whole lot of dialogue yet, so like I'm not exactly like completely having like a mind made up about that. Yeah. Um, like. I never really thought about it until reading like your question here and your notes about that. Um, but, yeah. it, but it is sort of a, like a curious sort of thing to think about with it. Cause um, yeah, like it's, it's never really, like it's not necessarily a commonplace like theme for, for stories, mm-hmm. but like it's, I think it's a really cool one. So um, yeah. it'd be interesting to see. Um, do you have any speculations on that? Yeah. So uh, skip ahead about like, 60 seconds let's say if you haven't seen ender's game before but spoilers incoming um mm. have you seen ender's game yep or do you know of ender's game okay um yeah but i f- it, it's giving me big ender's game vibes because i feel like um you're almost you these big machine like this big lady machine is kind of like telling you all these things and you're just kind of like taking it for fact and you're like okay this guy's bad and he's infecting these things and whatever yeah um you just kind of go at it and you're like okay i guess i'll destroy all these things and then every boss you encounter like says this like athedos says demon kill like all these weird like mm. phrases that you don't really know what they mean or who's what and why they're calling you demons or who's a demon <laughs> there's lots of yeah. weird questions but i almost feel like maybe you're being like manipulated into like destroying something to like help these robots take over but I, we will see i definitely have i definitely have a feeling that she will be the final boss um yeah judging by like she's just such an iconic look judging by the relevance of like her being on the cover of the game and then yeah she just like looks like there was a lot of care behind designing that Mm -hmm. specific character so i mean obviously she has a larger part in the game but i think she'll be like the final boss and she Mm -hmm. is a bad guy if that's a speculation i can make yeah immediately like when i entered the room with her like i immediately thought of the mother brain like basically the final boss of the the original metroid Mm -hmm. um or yeah mother yeah the mother brain um (laughs) so yeah it definitely like it definitely feels themed after that at least maybe it's the double curveball and they want you to think that if you're like a metroid fan and (laughs) turns the other way around but i'm really excited to see how it goes i think if I had to guess, I had to put money on it right now. I'd say I think you are going to be like a bad guy, or there's going to be like some last second thing where you find out you've been doing the wrong thing all the time. You have a, you turn on her or whatever. But I'm interested to see how that goes. Mm. Um, and yeah, there's some parts uh, I guess that you haven't got to, so I don't know how much I want to necessarily spoil. But um, do you think that like? Uh, because I mean, this is the opening sequence where you're kind of a scientist and you're doing some experiment, and then you just kind of explode and then end up in this weird world. Yeah. Um, like, do you think it's all just like like a fever dream, or, or something? do you think you've been put into like a different dimension, or like how do you think? What do you think this like overall arc is of, of what happened to Trace? Well, I don't know because like it doesn't, as far as I can remember, it doesn't really explain exactly what he was doing. Um, yeah, as a very, as a scientist, so yeah, um, it's all very. Uh, they don't tell you much intentionally. Yeah, but um, like I mean, it's a possibility. I don't think that's what would happen. I don't think that's where they would have taken the story if that's 
you know my opinion but yeah um but uh yeah i think i think whatever it was that he was doing he uh you know he he opened some sort of a portal by accident and like you know mm-hmm. got knocked out in the process of going through this portal but um i don't know i mean like who knows how deep this story and how like developed they they made it so um i judging judging by like the popularity behind it and like you know just sort of i've seen the cover like multiple times and there's a sequel coming out and all these different things like i do i definitely think it does have the potential to be like some crazy story that like is pretty refreshing and new but uh obviously we have to play the game to figure that out yeah um, one of the things I picked up um, is like a little kind of uh, code screen. So it like adds another menu to your pause menu where you can kind of enter different codes and you can pick up these codes by picking up documents around the map too. Okay. I don't have very much of them, um, but I'm guessing there's some replayability with that too of like once you know certain codes you can put in earlier in the game to kind of unlock maybe different dialogue paths or things like mm. that. Who knows? So I'm very interested. To, uh, I'm so excited to finish this up and hopefully even give it a start of another go we'll see i don't even know how long it really is yeah that's my worry i just hope it's not like 30 40 40 50 hours hours long (laughs) that we're not even gonna have the time to beat it but yeah i feel like i'm getting close to the uh, not to the end but like i feel like i'm getting to like some important plot points yeah like the the second half or like the ending acts at least maybe but we'll see how it goes but i guess we'll we'll stop the discussion there because we got to leave some space for uh for next week as well to to actually dive into everything Mm. um and uh, I guess, you know, one thing I'll, I'll mention to you, I'm assuming you've died by this point at least once, have you? Yeah. <laughs> Are you super pro gamer? Um, but when he dies, so die, dying is held, is like handled within the game. So like a lot of games when you die, it just kind of like warps you back to wherever you save point, just kind of pretends that it didn't happen. But this game, Trace kind of like wakes up and is like, what, like I, what happened? Like I thought I died, all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm I'm interested to see if that factors into the game at all, and maybe if there's like a different ending if you don't die at all and you're just like the original Trace instead of being like reformulated with nanobots or whatever the the lady tells you happened. But yeah, yeah, we'll I'm see. I'm curious. Um, I was curious, I mean, like when I read that, if they were just like sort of breaking like a third wall or something like that with with uh, mm-hmm. with with making that just as a joke or whatever, um, because it ha- it's pretty much what happens in all the other like Metroidvania games, more iconic ones at least, but. So, like, you know, maybe maybe that was just a joke or something like that or, like, a little Easter egg joke, but, yeah. but who knows? Yeah, maybe I'm thinking too much into it, but I, I feel like there maybe is, like, some sort of, uh, some sort of uh, like, Easter egg if you beat the game entirely without dying or something. But I find, like, when you make a game like this, too, like, even if you're just, like, the game creator and you read all these speculations of people online, it almost even, like, writes the next game for you. Like, everyone's <laughs> imagination. Yeah, I can only imagine just there with a notepad list and everybody yeah. going through the forums yeah i can only imagine yeah all right we'll take a quick break and then we'll be back with our uh, top five this week we're looking at top five video game scores we'll be back shortly thanks and we're back so we're going to round off this podcast with a, a top five we like to do this on our uh, intermediate or intermediary podcast for the week just have a bit of time to fill it at the uh, end and it lets us explore games from our past and um 
sometimes it unlocks uh, hidden memories that uh, mm-hmm. we didn't know we had about games and you we're already, digging through lists. You already got choked up once this podcast, buddy. We don't need it to happen. Yeah, again. exactly. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, well, my my number one has a place in my heart, but I think it's one I got choked up over in the past, but we'll see. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're doing top five video game scores or soundtracks, I guess. Uh, I guess you as an audio engineer probably consider a soundtrack and a score different, would you say? Yeah, I think, I think typically a soundtrack is is a compilation of like different artists Tracks, music like, yeah. so like okay. you know a lot of films have a soundtrack and they have a score um mm-hmm. so basically the score is music that was made by a composer specifically for this film or this video game whatever um okay. that you know is to be in in scenes right um yeah. there there can be movies that just has a score and there's a score associated with it and then like the soundtrack is like you know if they put like pop songs in 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 the film or the game or other people's music at different parts typically um that's fair i would say at least everything on my list is definitely a score and not a soundtrack but then yeah. but then it also gets confused too because like when people release video game music in an album form it's like the official soundtrack which is yeah ost original soundtrack so it can definitely it definitely just sort of blurs those lines i don't think there's really specifically like a right or wrong thing for all of it maybe i just like calling things scores because i'm into composing but (laughs) just sounds cooler yeah (laughs) just like pinky up like cup of tea (laughs) the score the score yeah so like when, when you because when you toss this one out here um i mean you just send it to me over text as like the top five yeah um i was trying to meet uh, originally think of because to me a score and i mean you know better than me so i'm not going to talk like i'm an authority but a score to me is kind of like almost background tracking like um it's like you said it kind of takes place in almost cinematic scenes and like just uh, things that are almost in the background and then the soundtrack like to me, I would have called all of these soundtracks, except maybe my first one, mm-hmm. um, uh, maybe my third one too. But uh, definitely, a few of them are, are I would call more soundtracks because they're just like they have contained songs and just like groupings of songs, and then a song associated with a certain area or a certain thing. Um, so I don't know. Like you said, the line I think is probably pretty blurry. But well, there's like anyway, there's, score soundtracks. There's a thing called underscore too, like underscoring mm-hmm. a scene. So. Um, that, that's I guess that's a little bit more applicable for like for like films and stuff. But basically, it's like very, like you're not like putting necessarily like themes in in underscore music. <clears throat> it's more so just like something to add another element to the scene. So, um, you know, it's like and swelling strings, yeah, or like just like sort of like pulsing like low end like synthesizer stuff, like just yeah. basically stuff that sits under dialogue so it allows like the dialogue to be heard not really writing music in like the frequency ranges of a human voice so mm-hmm. more so really high pitched stuff and really low pitched stuff just sort of sitting in 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 behind um so yeah your third one for example definitely like it the music sort of has those elements for sure in it like it's score, just sort of yeah. underscore sort of stuff um yeah, yeah. but yeah um i mean once again call it whatever you want i don't think there's like a <laughs> right or wrong yeah. thing here no, I just wanted to mention it because when I was brainstorming like different games for this one that didn't end up making my list, but the only one I felt like I'd even felt comfortable calling a score was um, Witcher. Witcher three, I guess, is the one I played. Mm-hmm. But like that one has like um, you know just kind of orchestrally like backgroundy like not meant to 
be iconic or get in the way, but just like meant to accent emotions and scenes um, mm. in a way that I don't think uh, any of the ones I actually put up in my list did. So do you think like yeah, score? Do you think like subconsciously you associate score with like only orchestral stuff too? Like, do you feel like you know it wouldn't be um, right to call it a, a score a if bit. it's like synth based stuff? I think so. I mean, my third one, which I guess we'll jump into the list shortly, but my third one, I would also, now thinking about it, call it a score, and I don't think that's orchestrally. It's a lot more synthy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I think it's just very, things that aren't, I think it's just things that are melody almost or something. Not that, I, I don't know. I'm get, We're getting muddled because I think my third one has a lot of songs with melodies in it. Mm-hmm. Too, <laughs> just things without, um, yeah. without like intention or without, something that's not trying to be catchy or iconic in a way. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we'll jump in. Do you want to start with uh, my number five, I guess? Sure. I've never heard of it. Uh, so, what? I've talked about it on this podcast. Unbelievable. Sorry, man. The register don't recognize My number me. five is Exapunks. Uh, so, this one might be a bit of a, like, fresh, hot in my mind. Like, it might not deserve a space in the top five of all time, but I had a hard time thinking through this in, in the begin with, so cut me some slack on the entire list. But this is, um, it's one of the coding-based games I've been playing lately, but it's set in, like... 80s to 90-ish like alternate it, it's like an alternate timeline obviously because there's like nanobots and weird stuff that run computers but it's themed around like 80s 90s grungy cyberpunk stuff so um people are still like using like magazines like printing off homemade magazines but like we have all this high-tech gear at the same time so mm. um it's got this very like i guess gr- grunge is probably a term i shouldn't be using because i don't really know exactly what it means but it feels grungy like techno music to me yeah and i just really like it and it's perfect um it's perfect for what it's there for because um when you're doing a game and you're coding you're thinking about math and you're thinking about you know procedures and you know how things are going to interact and all these things like you really kind of you want stuff that supplements that those brain waves that brain energy and it, it does a really good job of that while also being catchy and iconic mm. but it uh, it treads the line really well for me of being enjoyable to listen to outside of playing the game and being catchy and you kind of are still thinking about the the soundtrack after you leave the game but while you're playing the game it's just kind of there supplementing you and just not getting in your way while you're trying to, to code and it's just it's just really fun and, and i love that the theme of like cyberpunky grungy like Mm -hmm. it's like guitar like very distorted guitar but with like synth like like retro-y synth stuff on top it's really cool yeah uh but my number five exopunks uh, exopunks sorry (laughs) um my number five is doom and more specifically i'm talking about the one that we reviewed as well like the 2017 release or whatever 14 i don't remember i can't remember 2016 i think is what um call it. yeah that one's really cool uh it's done by mick gordon um just kind of really different for a video game score um sort of if i was to put it into a genre i would say it's sort of like in the gent genre of metal um yeah. So pretty much just like low tune guitars, a lot of a lot of rhythm based stuff, and then just sort of like, I don't know, like it's just a, a gent a genty <laughs> riff. Is the yeah, <laughs> no, that's um, and that's another one that is almost opposite to what I was kind of talking about with Exapunks. That it 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 still does exactly what it needs to do for that game, but what it does for that game is very different from what a soundtrack does for something like Exapunks. Mm-hmm. They're both like kind of um, high tempo-y stuff, at least in my amateur opinion. But yeah. um, Doom is just very like, it makes you feel like you're on a, like a high the whole time, like just <laughs> raging out, like you're ready to blast people up and it just constantly like fuels that. But there's also 
times when it's kind of quiet and eerie and spooky because i mean you are on like the vacuum of mars sometimes yeah. like on this abandoned moon base or infested moon base mm. or mars base i guess yeah um, it's, it's so, just yeah, uh, it's really cool it's yeah it's definitely really interesting like i find a lot of video games these days like unfor- like most of my list is more from more recent stuff granted but um yeah. but it's just so weird because like they're like there's certain games that I, I know that the music is just not a consideration or they just really don't care necessarily about the music as long as there's something there that fits it that's all that matters yeah um and you know i i think for my opinion maybe it's just because i'm a music person but i really think to make a good game and i think if you really want to if, if i was to be happy about putting out a game i would want to be extremely happy and have a lot of care about every individual asset of the game right like i would want you know you you basically you want as best as close to an expert as you can uh working on every individual portion of the game as far as graphics and the coding and the music the story everything so obviously different games aren't necessarily suited for like an intense story like if you're playing like that moving out game or whatever that you're talking about um (laughs) yeah you know obviously there's certain things that like doesn't need that type of narrative but um but nonetheless i think you know the games that really stand out and that are like staple games in people's lives like zelda games and Mega Man games and final fantasy games and stuff like that you know just really need to check all those boxes um yeah if if you're um i mean if you're making a big budget title like doom um i I i don't think there's any excuse for neglecting the music um if you're trying to do a game like on a budget um i mean just unfortunately to me in my opinion music is kind of the last of the three like coding graphics music kind of components in my opinion yeah um or like gameplay i guess um like it's just kind of you want you want everything else to work properly and if you can't afford or you don't have the the skill set like a lot of people who have put out independent games like one man team stuff seem to always end up being amazing musical people too or at least they hash their way through it to a point (laughs) that it it's usable or or good um so yeah well i mean maybe yeah maybe it just comes down to you having to do it yourself and don't take no excuses which i think is the attitude you probably need if you're a solo game developer yeah, but uh, yeah well i mean like yeah. as far as like the the lack of funds i don't think necessarily is a legitimate excuse because there's so many people that i mean me included to a certain degree depending on how how good the game looked and the potential i thought it had would be willing to write music for free and just to be a part of the team for a certain project so like yeah you know that's fair i feel yeah. like if you're you know if you're making it if you're making a game worthwhile you know to your to yourself and you feel like you put enough care into it i feel like you'll be able to find a talented composer that is willing to do the music for you for a budget or for free you know yeah. and and give you it's something the that, network, that, guess, that, that checks that box yeah that makes sense but anyways point is all, all five of my games i think check all those boxes and that's why they're on my list yeah Sounds good. Uh, well, my number four, I guess we'll move on to, is Earthbound. Um, so this one, um, I almost didn't want to put on here. Like, I, I had a hard time almost justifying retro-y things because, again, I, I don't even consider retro soundtracks. Like, they're just so catchy and mm-hmm. almost in your face that it finds it find it hard to call them a score. But um, this one, uh, I mean, Earthbound has a bit of a special 
place in my my heart, obviously. But um, it just it captures the feeling of almost being it like because I played this when I was a kid. So, but mm-hmm. it captures the feeling of being a kid setting out on this like big adventure all on your own uh, in a way that I haven't found any other games do it. Like a lot of games do seem to. Um, take the whole kid setting out on an adventure theme like pokemon does and pokemon yeah. has a great soundtrack too that made my short list but didn't make it on this list um but this one just has like an actual kind of real emotion and like feeling to like things that are happening like the very opening scene you get like buzz buzz who's comes by to warn you if gigas coming to attack and he gets killed like in the beginning of the game there's like this emotional soundtrack to you like holding him in his dying breath and him telling you that like you need to go mm. save the world and you're the only one who could do it and for like a super nintendo game of like this kind of keller palette and things like that it's uh i think it, the soundtrack and the, the the music does a lot of um, heavy lifting for like the emotional feeling mm. Um, and it does that throughout the game for lots of different rings. Like you, you run into like the happy, happy cult, um, or the blue, blue cult, I think they're called. Um, and they, um, uh, the, the, the soundtrack's just like kind of unsettling, but kind of like up, like kind of like country and catching at at the same time, which I think is just kind of, kind of catches a really good feeling of like being in a cult of like this is kind of familiar but like something is not right here and like there's this underlying creepiness to the whole situation and yeah so there's a lot of cool sounds like that and then there's just some fun jazzy parts like you you run into like the runaway five which are basically the blues brothers <laughs> um just non-copyright infringement but uh, <laughs> yeah. they have like some jazzy numbers they play that are just fun tracks so mm-hmm. this is a lot of you get a lot of work out of this uh, soundtrack i think i think a lot of the composers back on like the snes and the nes games like are some of the best video game composers ever like especially mm-hmm. for like the the pain that they had to go through as far as like getting this music written um i remember seeing like an interview with like nobuo uh umatsu like for the final fantasy games and stuff and i think it was a little different for snes but for nes stuff he like he literally needed to code the music into the game so he needed to go in like and code in note for note these pieces of music which you know especially if you don't really have a theory understanding which he you know he said he didn't either like you really have to be sure about what you're what you're going to put in there before you go in and <laughs> yeah. dedicate all this time to coding it right so um yeah. well cuz nowadays yeah you have like an engine that basically handles all that kind of stuff for you but yeah back then i can imagine you probably had to just send commands directly to the sound chip yeah. like and you're and you're limited to, to tr- like to channels of audio that you can have and yeah. and sounds and stuff like that too and like yeah. just the amount of creativity like that it would you know take for people to write these themes that are iconic today yeah. you know it's just you know you gotta give the props to where it's at oh yeah for sure yeah like the fact that these songs are so good uh, i think objectively so good g- given all the, the hurdles they had to jump to even make it sound like music <laughs> at all <laughs> yeah. is yeah is, is amazing yeah um, um so my, uh, but that's my number four my number Earth four Ground? is ori in the blind forest um so this one is by uh, gareth cocker or coker mm-hmm. um and uh yeah it's it's really really good uh, it stood out to me <laughs> immediately when i started playing the game um yeah you really like this game just overall i need to go play it i feel like i've played it a little bit but it does not like register at all in my mind <laughs> so i need to go give it a check out because it always keeps showing up on your list so it's got to be worth something yeah um yeah i, I don't know i i, I want to play the second one but obviously i need for that 
to come to switch probably before i play it or i need to yeah. buy an xbox um but uh but yeah it's just it's just really good like the i would say the two sort of main leading instruments are like an oboe and a piano um oh, interesting. I, the oboe could be you know there's like a, a couple different like woodwind instruments too that woodwind sort of stuff. sound yeah. like oboe so i mean i'm not sure exactly what it is sounds like an oboe to me <laughs> yeah. um we'll take your word for but it but i don't know it's just like it's just very dramatic very emotional very powerful music and uh yeah. and it yeah it just stood out to me like sort of right away and it fits right in with the aesthetic and like the artwork of the game mm-hmm. um i i saw i saw a little interview video at like a game convention that the composer was talking about this game and uh and the way he got the job for the for the game for doing the music was someone just someone working on the game just found his like soundcloud and he just had like this 30 <laughs> second um track on his soundcloud that was just like this synth pad sort of moving chords and stuff and they liked that so much that they like reached out to him and got him to score the whole game and it's entirely <laughs> something like, different 30 seconds yeah make a whole game out of it <laughs> yeah but it, it's just it's That's just crazy cool. and and for the second one um for, for the will of the wisps game apparently he like he's actually like a part of the official team now like he he joined the uh, the moon studios team so he's like an in-house yeah. composer now as far as i'm aware that's really cool yeah. and yeah to your point i think like once if you hit it good like you in theory did with this one uh, you get a good soundtrack <clears throat> i think as a developer it probably shows you like how impactful it, it can be to the end product yeah. um once you like get success with it um i mean there can be a swing and a miss and then you might just write it off from then on but i think mm-hmm. yeah if you land something like this you yeah you bring the guy into the team and just see what you could do fully yeah, yeah so it, cool. it's just so it's just so weird to me because i don't i don't understand how like you can be a game developer i feel like if you like video games enough to want to develop them you're probably a fan of like at least like zelda or something of that equivalent as far as like impactfulness on the industry and mm-hmm. all of those games all have so like recognizable themes and the yeah. music is such a, a, a iconic characteristic behind it that like I just find it weird that certain people just don't really care about the music. And then, like you said, it could be down to restraints and stuff like that. But, you know. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, I'm I'm a person that, I mean, I've dabbled in trying to create games and stuff myself. And um, I, I feel like if I ever get to the point with a product that I was ready to give it a soundtrack or something, I would need I would need to consult. Like, I would need to bring somebody on board to do it. Probably you, because you're my brother, and we'd see if we had time <laughs> to do it. But, yeah. Um, but, like, if I didn't have you and I had to go out hunting for somebody, I wouldn't even really know. Like, I could check out some of their work and see what sounds good, but then I wouldn't really know how to consult and see if it's a good fit. I feel like it'd just be a really awkward interaction. Like, if you're not a music person, mm-hmm. it can be hard to even talk to other, like, to talk to music people about music or, like, what feels right. So I think there can be a lot of, like, even just social boundaries maybe with that. But yes, I'm speculating. That's totally fair. Time. Yeah, well, I mean, like, um, you can, you know, th- there's tons of stories i've heard from different composers on podcasts and stuff like that that i listen to and they're sort of mentioning like you know it it is really nice to have a director for whatever project you're working on that knows music theory because it it helps it helps get to the end product that they're envisioning a bit easier like but um but like you know still if you're i feel like if you're a good composer i mean maybe you'll miss the mark a few times or on a few uh like different revised versions of a piece of music but you know like people can use like it sounds too like tinny or it sounds too warm or it sounds too harsh you know just different words like that like 
any like that any person can convey as long as they can you know hear the music you know there should be some sort of possible dialogue but yeah i mean there there can be the the la the loss of knowing where to go to find different people to do music but Mm -hmm. yeah uh so i guess on to my number three is uh metroid prime uh i guess a lot of the metroid games kind of have a similar soundtrack Mm -hmm. but metroid prime in particular sticks out to me um just because it feels like it's obviously a more full-bodied um, soundtrack, a lot more like instruments involved, um, yeah. and it just um, perfectly conveys kind of this creepy alien feeling of like being on this interesting but spooky, dangerous world. Uh, and um, I mean, that's really what I'm looking for out of a soundtrack for the most part is just to convey emotion because emotion can be a hard thing to kind of convey through video games sometimes, especially a game like this where there's no real dialogue or anything like that um but you can almost still feel what samus might be feeling just through the way the soundtrack changes or the way the um, different you know background music uh, is for different areas and stuff so mm. i just like the the sci-fi alieny spooky feeling i don't think there's much else quite like it yeah i mean plus like in that game too like you get little flashes of like seeing her reflection of like the reflection of her face like on the like her yeah, her like helmet cool and stuff too sure. so i mean obviously if you're like sort of looking forward or paying attention to seeing that then you'll like see different emotions probably on her face and stuff so yeah uh, so yeah my number three metroid prime my number three is a little vague i just put zelda down um <clears throat> it's kind of hard to pick a specific zelda game initially i had breath of the wild in there just because it's like the most recent one and it's like obviously yeah. like a very the most grandiose very polished grand orchestral score out of most of them yeah. um because yeah. <clears throat> it's i think it's been like what almost 10 years before that one came it was almost 10 years before they put a zelda the next zelda game out main story game probably so, um music technology came probably quite a ways in those 10 years but <laughs> um but yeah. i mean like you know just the zelda theme alone from any really any version of the game is just super yeah. super iconic so um, yeah, I mean, my number two is Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time. I guess specifically. Yeah, um, yeah, we can sort of blend uh, these yeah, together this, if you want. Could, yeah, that's what I mean. Might as well just talk about it all at mm. once. Um, uh, but yeah, there's just a lot of cool. Um, uh, there's a lot of cool tracks. Um, like something like Gerudo Valley um, comes out to me, and like Lon Lon Ranch. Yeah. That just all kind of portray. Um, they they really help. I mean, especially in Ocarina of Time, the world isn't that big by like especially by today's standards right Mm -hmm. like it's just a lot of different isolated little zones that kind of make you feel but uh, the like especially take something like gerudo valley like it just feels so different from like the music you get when you're in like hyrule valley yeah um, that it makes you feel like okay i'm i'm really have like gone to almost a different country or a different culture cultural area um that gives you the sense of travel and the sense of adventure um that you know wouldn't be there without the soundtrack or, or without a more careful um and diverse soundtrack you wouldn't quite feel like you're going to these places like lon lon ranch like the other one i mentioned when you show up on lon lon ranch it's kind of like the sleepy like violin i think it is almost or like mm-hmm. i don't know but it's like the sleepy laid back kind of tune um that you you immediately feel like okay this is like a chill place like these people are just humble farmers just trying to get by and do their thing like you immediately get that feeling from the the soundtrack yeah um in a way that like if just if they had just had the hyrule valley theme or like just the generic theme over lawn lawn ranch 
you wouldn't quite get the same emotional connection, I think, to like the characters at Lon Lon Ranch and, and things like that. So, mm. um, yeah, so I just, I mean, what hasn't probably been already said about the Zelda soundtracks, that they're, they're always seem to be masterpieces and just yeah. expert works on how to, to score a video game, probably, in my opinion. I've always, I've always been so curious, like, you know, pretty much every successful composer that I've, like, heard talk in an interview or whatever, they pretty much... Pretty much all of them say, besides the exception of a few, they all just say like they don't really know music theory that much. Um, it's yeah. sort of always like a claim, you know, like you don't need to know music theory to be a composer and all this kind of stuff. Um, so I've always had the curiosity, like, you know, what what person would write the better music? Would it be someone that has absolutely no understanding of music theory and they're just sitting at an instrument and playing sounds out of it until they get something they're happy with and not really know if it makes theoretical sense or someone who knows theory like so deep that they can that they know how to convey any emotion you know harmonically within you know any instrument etc like i'm just sort of curious like what kind of person would i'm probably going to um talk into my ass a bit because i obviously have no idea about the space but i feel like the problem at least when i think of music theory as a non-music person Mm -hmm. um to me when i think music theory I think of a very, like, European, uh, like, German-English type, like, orchestrally, like, you know, Beethoven, Bach, like, these kind of, like, I I feel like music theory was kind of almost cultivated and, and, you know, researched in that that kind of era and that kind of uh, upbringing to the point where it's, like, there are other ways, I think, to, to tackle music mm-hmm. than doing it that way. And I'm sure, like, in modern times, music theory has expanded to cover, you know, lots of different, you know, cultures and th- ways of making music. <clears throat> but I think, like, there's a lot more, like, feeling and, and kind of natural human emotion and feeling that goes into, like, having something sound good or, or, or having something, you know, evoke a certain feeling than just yeah. what uh, music theory and, like you know, the, the five bar staff or whatever the hell it's called. <laughs> um, just like normal stuff that you'd learn in like a music uh, school, I guess, yeah. or like a, a music theory. Well, I mean like within, within music, there's something called like a harmonic series basically. So within yeah. every single individual note that you hit, um, I mean, obviously it can vary with different instruments, what ones are sort of peaking more and stuff like that. But basically when you play a single note, there's, notes higher above that 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 are, are resonant or harmonic within those notes um and that sort of that science is basically what they they've used to create like the scales in western music um yeah but i mean like obviously it's just you know it's just sort of nature it's how sound is created and it's what happens when you play a specific note right but like <laughs> yeah other cultures and stuff like that they have like our you know, we have like an eight note scale and like a 12 note octave in Western music based like m- most of the time, obviously the scales can yeah. vary a little bit, but, um, but there's like different, yeah, different cultures out there that have like 64 note scales, right. Or 64 <laughs> note, 64 notes within an octave or something. Right. So yeah, ob- like they're playing so many notes in between our notes and it, you know, like sitars and stuff like that. They just sort of, they can vary yeah, however exactly. you really want them to. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's it's super weird. I mean, obviously, we're getting pretty deep in this podcast for a video <laughs> game podcast, but yeah, um, I don't know. It's it's good questions. I mean, I think if 
I think if you want to look at video games as the art form that I think they deserve to be, like exploring all aspects of them is is important, and you know treating all aspects of them seriously as like serious yeah. considerations and serious pieces of the art form i think is, is is important well like going back not that we're the two people to necessarily <laughs> break the ground on it or anything but uh, i think it's it's a good talk to have. well like going back to doom too like um the whole audio team composer and the sound designers and everything they all sort of work together and mick gordon even said in a in a like a conference thing that he that he was doing a presentation that um that like once a week at the end of the work week basically all the sound guys get together because they're all musicians and they yeah. would just like just crank out like a bunch of weird stuff like they would all just like bring weird music gear and just like make weird sounds together but basically like you know to have that that communication and that relationship um with with the doom stuff like they you know you have to be conscious about like what keys the music's being written in and you know the sound effects that you're making for each thing in the game because you know sometimes if the sound effect is out of key with the music as weird as that sounds it'll sound off or the music will sound off so like those considerations being made too like just sort of show the due diligence being made there yeah it needs to be like an entire package yeah need to consider it all together uh so i guess that was your number three and my number two uh broad uh (laughs) sidetrack Uh, but uh, yeah we'll go to your number two I guess. my number two is uncharted um hard to choose one of the uncharted games it's a little weird <laughs> to me because i mean at least the main the main series games all the ones that were on like the playstation 3 and 4 um because yeah. there was like a golden abyss one that was on the vita and then there was like a lost something i can't remember what it's called now but it, it was on it's on playstation 4 as well but it came out after oh, yeah, yeah. uncharted 4 um yeah. But the first three games, all on the PS3, were made... Like, they were composed by a guy named Greg Edmondson. And mm. then the fourth one um, was Henry Jackman. And I, I don't I don't know what happened, but like I don't understand why they wouldn't have just let this Greg guy finish the job, basically. But Finish the quadrilogy. Number four, number four definitely had like a different... Totally different direction with it as far as like the art style of it and everything like that and like the cover art alone like you can just tell that it's like a higher budgeted game so i don't know if like that was just something that they wanted to to do as far as like get a different composer but i I find all the iconic the most iconic music to me for the series is in the first three games like i think that main theme is pretty recognizable to most people uh sort of like a bit of like that that horn based fanfare if you know what i mean by that yeah it very um it definitely like uh I mean, I don't know if it was inspired by or like, but it definitely gets the Indiana Jones feeling. I mean, yeah. it's unique enough that like it's its own thing for sure. I wouldn't get the two confused, but yeah. uh, it definitely has that like uh, globe trotting like adventure action hero yeah. can never be hurt kind of dude. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's uh, yeah, yeah, uh, that's definitely iconic. Uh, but yeah, the Uncharted tune I think has definitely become iconic in its yeah. own way for sure. Yeah, I, I'm, I would definitely put the Uncharted games within like my top five of all time for video games. Like it's just, uh, I don't know, they're just they're just like masterpieces in my opinion. Like they 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 mold so many different like game genres together, <clears throat> and then the story is really good too. And it's just you know, yeah. as you have as you've denied it is, it's a puzzle game too, buddy. It is. It's. Uh, <laughs> I, I. I would not call it a puzzle game. <laughs> it's um, a puzzle game. Um, 
maybe we'll have to uh, you've already played it so maybe it's not a good contender but i've always wanted to play uncharted 4 i've never gotten around to it oh, so buddy. maybe it'll yeah. find our way into you gotta the play it. you gotta finish it off you give it another try um so i guess with that we'll move to both of our number ones simultaneously. The same thing apparently yeah i put final fantasy 10 you put a broader just final fantasy well i put final fantasy 10 in my like my list when i was building the different games that could be in my top five and yeah number 10 was what was sitting in there but there's like other like obviously in the huge catalog of games there's like other pieces of music within different games that are really good but yeah 10 i've said previously in another episode that we had final fantasy 10 in the top five that the music really stood out in this one just because it was the first one on PS2, so like the obviously the increase in sound capabilities made that possible. Yeah, yeah I just um, it's hard for me to pinpoint exactly why this is number one for me, but uh, I mean because we've already talked so much about soundtracks, and so I don't feel like I'm just going to be repeating myself. But um, it just really conveys a lot of the emotion and the kind of world trotting nature of it, like you meet different civilizations and different people and Mm -hmm. you know you go into ancient tombs and you have like all those kind of religious um like uh choral kind of soundtracks that i i really really admire um like i really like a lot of those um when you're kind of doing the uh yeah the trials and stuff there's lots of really cool tunes but just such a diversity of music and all of it is iconic yeah i i I think zan arkand this the song or the piece of music yeah, return to Xanarchy. um from that from that game is like that that song alone is is like a masterpiece in my opinion too it's just yeah i don't like there's a on like it's not even on spotify but if you just look up nobuo umatsu there's like a there's like this this album they did it's called final fantasy distant worlds so it's basically it, it was like a live concert that they held and they recorded it but it's just like a like a philharmonic orchestra um mm, yeah. that they just did like a different compilation of different final fantasy pieces and there's like f- technically four distant world albums but the first two were the only ones that have any like substantial amount in them and mm-hmm. it's it, I don't, like it's just it's crazy to hear like just some of the even the earlier final fantasy music like with a full live orchestra it's just obviously it needed to be a bit uh, re- ranged a bit differently and stuff like that but um yeah. but yeah just listen to like Xanarchand on the distant worlds the distant worlds album is just like so yeah. crazy i mean one thing that i think uh, that just kind of came to me a bit while you were while you were talking about that is like i think the reason this is at the top of my list is probably because this is out of the five that i've listed um this is one that i would go and just see a full like orchestral like two hour like <clears throat> yeah. thing of just all the music because there's just such all of it is just so powerful and it's so diverse and there's so much mm. so much to dissect and enjoy with this whereas like I mean, even Legend of Zelda, I'm sure a lot of people would obviously do a two-hour show of that. But uh, to me, it, uh, the Legend of Zelda music doesn't speak to me that highly. I wouldn't say no if somebody's giving me free tickets to a Legend of Zelda concert. But, mm. I mean, Final Fantasy and Final Fantasy X would be just something I would definitely jump at the opportunity to just go I, listen to that in full orchestra. I think Zelda, the music from Zelda is a little bit more like overplayed than the Final Fantasy yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, I wouldn't say there's more finesse to the Final Fantasy. Yeah, I wouldn't like. say necessarily the Final Fantasy music has equal amount of like iconic stuff from it, but I think just mm-hmm. all the different pieces of music within a single game are just like so like beautifully written that they're just like that yeah. they would just like definitely evoke many emotions, especially if you went to go see a live concert like that. Yeah, definitely. I I definitely 
shed some tears i guarantee it <laughs> <laughs> um but uh yeah i guess that's a good place to wrap it up that's our top five video game scores uh, neither of us got choked like up we, uh, yeah i mean i got close we kept talking about final fantasy 10 i'm sure i would so <laughs> that's why I'm, we're cutting it off we're cutting it off <laughs> one choke up per, per episode um so uh, just as a reminder you can always get in touch with us on uh, twitter and instagram at uh, backlog uh, gamecast or game club sorry <laughs> backlog game club know the name of my own show by now um uh, or on anchor you can reach us at anchor.fm slash backlog um uh, backlog pod sorry geez don't know any of my things I'm getting choked up now um but yeah reach out to us uh, or you can reach us by email at backlogpod at gmail.com any any channel you choose to get a hold of us we'd love to hear from you um about any of maybe your favorite video game scores or how you think about our top five lists or um our game of the week or game of two weeks uh game of the fortnight i guess we'll call it who knows um uh just let us know maybe you've played it in the past or maybe you're playing it now and we'd love to hear your thoughts on it and how much uh, if you're enjoying it what you like what you don't like and we can uh, bring it up and talk about it on the podcast so uh, we'd love to hear from you don't, any parting words uh, don't else? say Fortnite, man you're gonna trigger <clears throat> you're gonna trigger some yeah. wrong audience i mean that's good seo right we put that in the hashtags <laughs> and uh, a million views coming our way right yeah <laughs> I, I i feel like i could have yeah. came up with a, a different a different top five list for the music but um <clears throat> but it's just like things that were relevant in my mind like if i thought like really hard oh, on, like, yeah. and like went and listened to like different music from childhood, I, but. I i took me yeah it took me so long to even jump into creating this list because i just had so many like ideas and thoughts that yeah this this list could could change next week like uh, <laughs> it's yeah there's lots that could go do into you, it so i definitely feel you. do you remember that nintendo 64 game that like that had like that red motorcycle on the cover um Nintendo it's like gt racer. not gt racer something like like xg or g0 or <laughs> yeah like a motorcycle but game i right? always remember that thing had a pretty jamming soundtrack it was just like drumming bass pretty yeah. much yeah just like crunchy <clears throat> dirty yeah i'll have to go back and check that out at some point, um but, <laughs> but no uh, any any finishing words not really uh Alrighty. see Everybody, you later uh, take care yeah thanks for joining us and uh, i'm excited to get back to some axiom verge yeah. so i'm gonna peace out and we'll see you next week take care bye See you later.